All right, this is the Farm Hop Life Monday Night Men's Forum, number 38. It's going to talk about generational wealth. I am Matt of Farm Hop Life. We got uh, Homestead of Pain. He figured out how to change his name. Uh, <laughs> uh, Scott of Little Pine Farm. We have Josiah of Over the Moon Farm. And Scott, Thriving the Future podcast. How's it going, guys? Good. Great. Good. Welcome back, Josiah. It's been a while. Oh, what happened? Oh, oh device is not connected. Just like that. Too soon. There we go. Okay. Welcome. Well, well, welcome back. <laughs> why don't you uh, why don't you start us off since you, you've been away for a while uh, with a personal event, please? Oh, a personal event. Um, I bought that big trailer. That's probably the, probably the biggest personal event. Nice. What did that cost? Uh, $5,500. That's not bad, right? That doesn't sound that bad. No, it no, it's a, it was a pretty good deal. It, it's a little, a uh, little shop up, um, literally right on the border between Missouri and Iowa. And they do 2000 trailers a, a year. Um, but they, they have good, I mean, people drive from all over the place. There's people coming in Colorado, Michigan, you know, just, coming coming in to, to buy the trailers so they have they have good prices um and uh, everybody loves them so nice so yeah um so you bought the trailer but then also didn't you buy like an excursion or something too <laughs> uh, i was gonna talk about that um you weren't gonna talk still, about that my wife's my wife's still giving me a hard time about it um <laughs> okay. yeah yeah i bought uh there was an equipment auction and I was I was trying to get a uh, a diesel truck to pull the trailer, um, because humorously my wife actually drives the two biggest biggest vehicles that we own, the two that can that can tow the most. Um, so I was trying to get something so that I wasn't using one of the family cars to tow the trailer, right. and uh, they all started going over my my price limit, and uh, then there was this excursion sitting there, and my my limit was two grand and. And it went for nineteen hundred dollars. So I said, you know what, I, I can't I can't say no. So So I'll just buy another one. That's funny. Well so, it, you know, they're they only made them for five years. For so I was worth it worth going for. There you go. That's funny. Uh Homestead of Pain, go ahead. Um, I would say the biggest personal event for me has been um all my paperwork at the school has been approved. So the next thing that should happen is HR should reach out and schedule a interview for a level one maintenance position. And my teacher already told me how to pass the interview. Uh, so the, hopefully I can start working. And then once I finish the current program I'm in, then I can go back and get uh, electrical um, HVAC plumbing and machine tool associates paid for by the school while working for the school with government benefits. Wow. Nice. So I'm really, I am really looking forward to that. And didn't That's you say you're getting game. married soon too? Uh, <laughs> yes. Somebody's going to bring May. that up. So <laughs> I've got to get with long story farms because he has 20 goats. He doesn't want and he said that a homestead padre could have some. And I'm like, well, I have to put myself in this. 
And so I have to get in on this two party agreement. I have to get in the middle of it somehow. Yes. Yes. Always I was, have to. And so this have to do with marriage. Exactly. So exactly. So the weekend that uh, we will be doing it, I will be driving up to long story farms to me and him are going to switch pigs. So he's got a pig. I've got a pig. We're going to swap pigs. Um, one's an Osabow, one's a Berkshire. And then while I'm there, I'm going to pick up his goats. And then we're going to go to Helen. And then where Homestead Pottery is going to be the weekend. And then he's going to marry us. And then we're going to oh, go yeah, from okay. Helen back to Cartersville, where I live. And he's going to, I guess, intercept that. Or, or I'm going to drop the goats off with him. Or he's going to come pick them up on his way back to Mississippi. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I forgot Padre is gonna is gonna marry. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that from the other day. Two pigs, twenty goats. This, actually, like, do you want a flow chart, <laughs> chart or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. A Gantt uh, chart, actually. So I've got to I've got to get with him and uh, see. I don't think I'm going to be given the twenty. Um, Homestead Padre was given those three, so I don't know if I'm going to get rid of them for him, and then we're give him a portion of whatever, if I'm going to bomb from him at whatever, I don't know. I just got to get with him on that and see if we can actually make it happen. That's funny. I, I joked that, uh, Hey, we should all just show up in Helen, whatever you yeah. said, whatever, whatever, Georgia. Georgia. And, uh, just show up at your wedding. Just yeah, crash. It. It'll probably be at a park. It's so, you know, that'd be fun. It. Yeah, we probably not going to do it, but it'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be pretty awesome. The first official meetup from yeah the Telegram. Yeah, yeah, for real. Uh, uh, wow, Little Pine. Yo, uh, it's good week. It was crazy. It's uh the county's spring break, and so we had a ton of dogs all week. Um, so I didn't get quite as much tree hole digging done as i could or as i wanted to rather but uh it's gonna be 53 and sunny again tomorrow so back at it uh hopefully nice. pick up trees by by the weekend um i haven't gotten the call from the nursery yet but i think the last truck arrived like friday so hopefully all my stuff is there what are you planning uh all like zone three and zone four varieties, um, five apples, two pears, two plums, and a sour cherry, uh, three varieties of apple. We'll see how it goes. You know, maybe I only can do berries up here, but I'm going to give it a try for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. All right. Thriving Scott. Yeah, I did uh, apple grafting all all weekend, and then tonight nice. planted potatoes and onions. Potatoes and onions. Cool. So, what's your when's your frost date? When's your last frost date? April twentieth. April twentieth. Okay. Nice. I'm not until like June seventh. So. June seventh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. I'm June ninth. June ninth. What zone and are that's you, Matt? Five something. Oh, but yeah. I, I added a week uh, just for freak weather event. So you could probably do yeah. it June 1st if you wanted to. But 
to yeah. 2020 and 2021, we had a frost in May and it blasted the potatoes and the tomatoes. Mm. Yeah, that, that'll screw you up. That'll screw you up bad. Um, oh, my personal event. Uh, I still smell like garlic. If you want to know what I'm talking about, you have to check out my Instagram or my TikTok or my Twitter, whatever. Uh, I wasn't feeling so hot, so I drank a concoction my wife made up, and then I ate a clove of garlic. And uh, and then Jeremy, who's usually on here, challenged. He's like, real men chew their raw garlic or whatever. And so I did, and it was awful. And so... Like I warned my coworkers today, like, hey, by the way, I'm gonna stink. <laughs> I'm gonna stink like garlic. Yeah, so there's there's video of that in those places. Dude. But I feel better. So, so check this out. Is this what you're talking about? Your uh honey fermented garlic or garlic no, fermented this honey, is, whatever? This is brined garlic from Brined. Like pickled pickled garlic? No, no, no. Uh just salt brine. Okay. And so it's been down about four years now. Oh yeah, dude. I wish you could smell <laughs> this. It's it's incredible. That's and funny. if I'm if I'm like starting to feel sick, I'll eat like ten or fifteen cloves a day. Like spaced out over the day, a couple at a time usually. Um, and I'll just be reeking of garlic, like from my pores. It's so great, but I get better so much faster. <laughs> like it, it, it uh, makes a huge difference. It's a funk. It's a real funk. And I, I don't really care for it. So I can't imagine what other people think I smell like, like, what is that guy doing? Well, the lady, the lady loves the garlic as much as I do. So it works out in this house. <laughs> That's good. Uh, well, good. That's that's that. Um, so generational wealth. Um, I had a people were like, "Whoa, this is cool." I definitely want to talk about that. Um, Josiah, you were you were one of the first to jump in, like pretty quick. You and uh, you and Scott the animal over there. Um, when when you say generational wealth, like what what are you even talking about? Like what does that mean? Um, something, basically something that allows, that assists in springboarding my children into a better life. Um, yeah, you call it stairs, you call it, you know, a, a, a bounce or whatever, but, um, the ability to give them a head start from where I was, you know, when they're, sure. when they're out of my house per se to give them a better start than I got kind of like, and then like a safety to, net. Um, I, I don't actually, I, that implies that they're going to fall. Um, I, I would, I, I think it's more about just putting, giving them a leg up, um, than it is about, about letting them or about having a, a safety net. Um, but I think if more people did that, you would have a lot more, um, I, you know, I'm not going to go blaming generations, um, but you know, everybody, sure. everybody blames the boomers um, for not, for not passing on their, their wealth. Right. Um, and I've seen that um, not just with boomers, but you know, they'll make a lot of money and then, um, and then they'll spend it all on cruises and, and there won't be anything. And um, 
it's it's kind of a shame because you could give you could give your kids a, a start. Not not that they need it. Hopefully, you will have taught them otherwise. But I had I had a, a boost. Um, you know, my aunt and uncle paid for my college, and my parents helped me with the down payment. Um, you know, and so being able to give that on, whether it's property, whether it's money, whether it's you know, even skills is, is generational wealth. If it's, if it's a skill that, that you can parlay into money, um, or, or a living. So, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a safety net as much as it is just a boost. Gotcha. Okay. You, your mention of the boomer reminded me there was a, uh, man, 4chan like green tech story that was circling around about a week or two ago saying it was like, you know, this dad pushed his son to get into like agriculture or something like that to learn how to run the farm. But by the time yeah. he graduated college, like the dad had like sold off the farm, didn't even tell his kid about it. And um, I, I can't find it. I forgot to forgot to look for it prior to this. But um, yeah, that's what, that's what that. it reminded me I of. Saw that. Yeah, that was it was like it's, whatever the captain was like peak boomerism or something like you got nothing to leave to your kids, like nothing that you cared for. So, well, Americans, we frown, we frown on that. You know, we frown on like nobility and all that. But like, I mean, there's inherited wealth in Europe. You know, that's that's a thousand years old, and we we tend to kind of frown upon that. But it's it's a good way to go. You know, that's that. There's nothing wrong with that. You you want your kid to be responsible for themselves, but there's nothing wrong with. I mean, to with. build off that, there's wealth in China. It's dynasties old. You know. Yeah. I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think the more the point of that story though was like, "Hey, go learn how to run the farm, and then it's gone by the time like the kid's done." So I don't know if like there's maybe there's more to the story that we're not being told. Like, huh. like the dad paid for paid for the college, but ran out of money, so he had to pe- sell the farm to, in order to. Do, I don't know. Who knows? And. It doesn't really matter, but it was kind of a funny story. And the way it blew up was kind of funny, too. Um, so, uh, Scott, you've got thriving, Scott. <laughs> what What are you planning on, like, leaving your, leaving your kids? Like, anything? Nothing? Mindset? So, yeah. So, like I said in my email, you really can't retire unless you pay your house off. I mean, anything else is pretty much a lie. This is why all these, I have all these friends that, you know, are older than me, slightly older than me that are retiring and they don't have their house paid off and they're doing like reverse mortgages and then they're screwing their children with it, you know, because basically you don't pay any interest and then you die and then they have to sell the house for the loan. So, you know, because they never, because they kept trading up, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, my plan is to, to get everything paid off by the time I get to retirement. And then, uh, the only problem is if you don't have, if you don't impart your mindset to the kids, all they're going to do is sell it and dump it. And I'm like, I'm planting trees here. I don't want you to dump it. So, you know, but I, I, I haven't, I haven't got a solution for that yet. I think that's the biggest thing is uh, it's really mindset where Mm -hmm. I've heard too many stories of like 
and like my dad comes from from this as well like kind of like he said he would say like yeah we grew up piss poor and it kind of seems like they did so like that i don't know if that specifically like gave him the drive to achieve all that he's all that he's achieved and like you know he's done very very well for himself and like did he make you know me and my siblings too comfortable like because we we just didn't really have to worry about that so how do i make make it seem like when like me to my children me and my wife to our children like how do we make it seem like like or make money scarce or make it seem like it's valuable or put some sort of other like get get that mindset of the value of things i guess instead of like yeah we can just screw around and everything's fine they don't have mm -hmm. to worry about it right my brother taught me about uh he introduced me to the idea of thinking about money as energy and like it's come from somewhere and it can go somewhere and you know you can waste the energy or you can do something productive with it and even uh kind of perpetual with it and use that energy to create more and more and more or you can you know kind of become a black hole and just become obsessed with sucking that energy from anyone and everyone you can get your hands on right and uh, um, uh, to build off that specifically is energy it's one thing that I've been having a, a struggle with and it's time. Uh, your time is your money. It is your income for me. Do you want me to work for you? It's $20 an hour. That's because that's what I can go out and get. Um, and either do it or don't do it. But when it comes to you, like you had said, a drain, you have things like family who come in. And they're like, oh, well, they need this, so I need this, and they need help doing this and help doing that. At a certain point, when can you say no? When do you say no? Because, again, if you give all your time to help family, you still have a whole list of stuff you have to do. That's energy and time. Yeah, man, you got to decide how to uh, deal with the energy vampires in your life. Yeah. And, you know, you can't help everybody and you certainly need to put your own oxygen mask on before you help others with theirs or else yeah. you're no good to anyone. Um, yeah, it could be a tricky line. I'm autistic as fuck and I, <laughs> I tend to, you know, I, I love my family. They're awesome but it's, it's not hard for us all to be like independent and living our own lives and, you know, just check in from time to time. And, and, you know, maybe once every year, oh, shit, am I autistic and, and party, <laughs> but uh, no, we're I all, you know, we're all autistic. family is <laughs> yes. family. I I've always, and, and we'll get to, to this in a second, I guess with me, but family for me is a different thing. It's, it's the people I choose to have in my life um which does include my siblings and you know and my mother as as often as i can get it but uh yeah whatever that's it's a tricky situation so my son is uh is gonna be three soon and 
we are for the last couple of weeks we've been entering the why phase like why everything i'm like, still in that hey phase. buddy <laughs> well good uh <laughs> it's good like uh so he goes like i got i go i gotta go to work why I'm like because it gives me money I'm like why or why do we need money and so like i'm he's already like <laughs> when he now when he asks I go, why does work give me money or what do we use money for? And he's like, to buy the house, to buy our cars, to buy our food. And he just starts like listing all these things, like what money gets us at, you know, almost like three years old. And the other thing that uh, you guys reminded me of was like, when a little bit further down the road, we're going to go through like how to like the difference between earning money at a job or like making money when you work for yourself, like you're, you're fulfilling a service that wasn't there or like the market wasn't totally saturated. Like, so like Scott, little pine. Um, I don't know whether to call you little pine or animal Scott. I don't know. Um, it's all right. You're, you're providing a service. You, you, have you're like a dog sitting service you're you found a market that uh had a need and you filled it and so you're like you're making pretty good pretty good money now from just dog sitting like that's you pretty know, awesome fun update you're on that making money we uh turns out we read the zoning laws wrong and it's not a legit option at all to pursue so we're just gonna uh the good news is i'm not gonna be paying for insurance anymore um <laughs> you know or or advertising or or anything like that but we've got so many like really cool regulars that you know it'll just be kind of a regulars and word of mouth kind of a kind of a thing until somebody Love makes that. me stop frankly hmm. yeah legal for i mean they're not gonna they're not gonna throw you in jail on the first morning yeah right I hope not. Or the shoot second, the dogs. you know. <laughs> so that's fun. That that is fun. That's that's a nice thing. I'm I'm looking forward to the next uh, the the new Ruby Ridge or Waco will be uh, dogs. Pine, Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Animal Scott, yo, you. It's interesting that you're here. Well, Grant too, but he's still just a baby. But um, but see, the thing is, like, I've learned these things as a baby. You know, like my true. perspective on money, how I learned money, how I understand how to use it, how I am going to interpret that to my children, and how I'm going to be quite frankly build it myself. So, but Scott doesn't have children. So, what is what is generational wealth to you, Scott? Yeah, I've been thinking about this uh, a lot the last decade or so. Um, yeah, the no kids thing was not for lack of trying, uh, just not in the cards um, for either of us. So, sure. Um, I I kind of think of it on several different levels, um, from the micro to the macro. Really, you know, as above, so below. Uh, starting with the soil like i can build soil right here and you know hopefully build some sort of neighborhood pasture program to build the soil of the entire neighborhood and increase fertility and uh 
you know, provide people with planting stock and increase the biodiversity and the food production in the area and um, leave behind skills and a replica replicable model um, that other people can do anywhere. Uh, that's, that's one thing that with this idea that I'm really stoked on, I feel really open talking about all my plans because frankly, as long as you're not within like five miles of me, I don't think we'd be competing anyway. Like it's, it's going to be a very targeted situation. And, uh, and beyond that, like at the very top level, you know, I, I don't want to die on this planet. I want to go to Mars and practice what I've taken to calling Genesis agriculture and uh, helping to support the things that will keep this biosphere alive. Um, I mean, there's no sustainability. There is no permaculture unless we have the technology to stop the next rock that's like already on its way. Um, and once I started reading about like organic farming and these methods in China that were used to sustain families on small plots for 500 years, and it's like, you can't think that way without getting to this point that, you know, uh, for me anyway, it just became so obvious. It's like, yeah, we got to do everything we can to, you know, build fertility and, and localized food systems right here. But also, we got to have some better tools or we're all going the way of the dinosaurs. Um, whereas if we identify and intercept the rock, then, you know, who knows? It's probably made of lithium and cobalt and can power our civilization for the next thousand years without African slaves. <laughs> So are you saying space, the space uh, robots mining is way better than little Congolese children mining? That, that that's definitely sexier to sell, that's for sure. Um yeah, African slaves right there got you canceled on YouTube this week. So uh, <laughs> but I mean it's a thing. We've seen I know. videos no out question. of Libya and yeah, no there's a lot question. this week. Um so you're saying almost like the generations that are going to follow you on your property. So like once you like leave this earth, well, yeah, you're leaving behind. Yeah. I would like to find like, you know, the right person to, to leave this place to, you know, whether that is in the form of say of a sale or, you know, lifetime occupancy rights while I ride out the last few years or something. Sure. Um, uh, other things we're doing like in the here and now is uh, losing a lot of, I, I, not that I really had faith in the dollar, but it's becoming less and less, uh, you know, desirable to leave any large portions of assets as dollars right. um, or in traditional markets. Uh, so like we're looking at putting together uh, like a communal hunting property that could benefit a lot of different families, um, you know, as well as, as providing, you know, a, a secondary base of, if a fire comes, we'd have somewhere where we could take our animals and go to that's, that's not that far away. And, um, just having more real assets, uh, to, 
maybe give us choices if if things get rough um so yeah i you know developing a successful business is being able to find a young farmer who might not be able to afford their own place and you know when i'm 60 or 70 bring them on and you know if they connect with the land in the same way that i do then you know it's theirs and now they have a chance to raise their family and i, I i'm not so concerned about genetics as i am about mimetics um sure. you know just just proving out ideas and and showing people like look what i'm doing at 8500 feet you want uh some banana ice cream the the goat milk the yak milk and the bananas were grown right here on this little part on this little parcel um so just you know there are powerful ideas that can one of the reasons i'm so interested in like the mars stuff and off-world biospheres is when you do these closed cycle experiments it tends to help people on this planet realize that we are currently in a closed cycle experiment it's a very big and very resilient one complex but, but all our eggs are in this one basket and we don't have a way to protect it and we don't have any any seeds scattered around yet uh or you know the inevitable end of of this little ball of rock permaculture yeah. man space tech is permaculture you bring up a kind of oh sorry I, I got distracted by this deer out my window um nice. i forgot what i was gonna say there was no nope, i totally lost it no nope. some some somebody take it from here was it be right back and gonna get a gun <laughs> no that <laughs> okay, season's over shaking. oh uh I mean, grant uh yes. you seem you seem pretty close with your family. Um, so like your, your parents and like your, I think you've mentioned your aunt a couple of times and like, obviously like your grandma and stuff and you're trying to buy like your grandma's property. So like that's, great, great, my, that right my, there. I had great grandmother's property from my aunt. Yeah. Yeah. So that right there, that's generational wealth. Like, yes, you've, you're having to purchase it, but it stayed in the family. Yes. So that's one thing is generational wealth to me is uh, my grandmother's house. She lives in the 10 acres. It's on the 13 acres. My great grandmother's house. That's on it's 175 years old across the street is 17 more acres. My grandmother owns. And then there's another hundred or so acres that my great grandfather used to own that his sons kind of, you know, stepped in and, I would say swindled their way for it to be theirs and then turned around and sold it, sold it off piece by piece. And, and it's not, this is my opinion. It's just the start. Cause this is my, my parents moving forward on that. Um, but I can do it myself. I can go buy four or five acres here, six, seven acres here. I know my girlfriend, her grandfather built the house they're staying in and he plans on putting her on in one of his sons on the title. And, you know, he had sold 10 acres to his neighbor 
Well, we can get that 10 acres back. You know, it's not just my generational wealth. It's what would come from my other half, too. And really, it's I would say it's in land. No matter if you what part, how the quality, it comes down to land. Don't don't pay an outrageous price, but just acquire land. Uh, And then with everything I plan on doing with the land, building it up, putting into it and just keeping a cycle back into it, I can only be improving the property. And then as time progresses, that land's going to be worth more and more. And you have on here will or trust. And at some point, I feel like all that land is going to have to be in a trust. Because if you want access to it, you're going to have to use it. And it goes, if I have 12 kids and only four of them want to use it, then only four of them get it. You know, so. Right. That's something I'm thinking about doing here is. Like, how do I protect this place as best I can and also hand it down with like without them have I, I still need to like look into like the tax laws or whatever. Yeah, so they're not having to pay to to like inheritance tax. An accountant and a lawyer. You need to set up a trust. Trust and add them as the beneficiaries. Yeah, we just did it actually for the uh for this property. Um, is it hard? Is it expensive? No, uh, I think it was like two grand for an estate lawyer, hmm. but I mean, he did everything. It was just a matter of like, you know, sit down and explain what exactly we need. And he makes it it's happen not like a legal zoom thing. No, no, a little no, more no, complicated no. than that. <laughs> well, I, I don't know actually, but you I know, mean, you we could got, probably get GPT to write it up, thing. right? Yeah, probably. That's true. There you go. <laughs> But uh, the, the trust is the way to avoid all of that bullshit mm-hmm. um, and, and really make sure the maximum it, it avoids probate altogether. Um, at least I know it's different in different states, but uh, at least in Colorado, because um, like even if everything's squared away when you die, supposedly um, the state can still like get into probate and have their say and yeah there's a bunch of weird stuff and it's not just state it's federal you know they're they're coming for their 30 percent regardless and even if you break down the overall tax bracket of what they tax they tax they get like three point something to maybe four trillion dollars a year Mm -hmm. and they only get a handful of billions from tax they that when i say they i always mean the federal government and the people who control them is they don't want you to have generational wealth unless you are, you know, the Chase family, unless you're the Morgan family, unless you're Johnson and John, they don't want you to have generational wealth. Right. Because then you can challenge them. Does the property need to be paid off to put it in a trust? No. Okay. No. The, you will just arrange things so that the trust is paying the mortgage. Um, but uh, I, I seem to remember the average cost of probate was like five or seven thousand dollars, and the cost of a trust is like fifteen to twenty five hundred or something. So it's like, why not do it? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Check it out. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> oh, I forgot to say, it. none of this is financial advice, and none of I us always are financial give financial advisors. advice. <laughs> 
Um, you would definitely need to talk I to mean. an accountant and a lawyer. I know my parents had just spoken to one. They set all their stuff up because um, my sister screwed herself out of everything. Um, so they Whoops. set it up. Yeah, so they went ahead and they set up their stuff, uh, made me the executive will. They decided not to go into a trust, um, but once more land gets added, more, you know, because I intend to acquire as much land as I possibly can, um, things probably might get lumped together. Either that or put into a LLC or mm-hmm. something like that. So did you have to get, I mean, did you like had to refinance your house so that it was in the trust or LLC or whatever? No, it was pretty straightforward. Um, eventually the, uh, the LLC or whatever of the farm, um, you know, will pay rent to the trust or whatever sure. Hmm. Sure. To, to cover, you know, all the expenses of the property that way. Hmm. Um, like just enough to cover like property taxes and stuff. Well, you no know, mortgage taxes, utilities, like everything, you know? Okay. Um, I mean, that's the real goal is to have the property paying for itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. It was easy. I mean, with, with professional help, it was super easy. Like we didn't really have to do anything. Yeah, we gotcha. have a farmer across the street that just recently passed, but him and his family, you start looking on uh, Onyx or whatever, the hunting app, right? It mm-hmm. tells you who owns I it. I love it. Lamb. I use he, it so much. Damn, you can also guys, use PubLicNet. I'll put it in the chat for any of you who don't have it, but it's in a lot hmm. of states. Right. It gives you tax records, county records, everything. If they own land somewhere else, I don't know if that does that, but hmm. yeah. Yeah, so this guy across the street, him and his family like own half the county when you start looking around. So Whoa. <laughs> Dang. How about you, Josiah? What kind of stuff are you stacking up for your little army of kids? Oh, a little bit of everything. Um, I don't know. My dad's been a, a pretty good example of um kind of setting us up and so same kind of thing. Um I one of the reasons that he bought the the mini excavator that he's been using um it's a it's an asset it's a hard asset and if he's not i mean he's not going to be rocking it as a full-time job so it's not it's not going to rack up a bunch of hours um so it's it's a hard asset that doesn't go bad um and i mean it the full intention is is for um it to stay in the family and get used on uh, me me and my siblings place my dad just did that with a tractor you know yeah, no, I mean that's it's it's part of the reason for the sawmill and for the tractor I have and for some of the other some of the other stuff like that. Um, you know, growing up, my my dad um, ran his piece of property with uh, with a, a walk behind tiller and um, and an old truck, and so being able to set my kids up, you know, with a little bit more um, to make it easier to uh, to get stuff done, it's a big deal. So some assets like that. Um, the other plan is when we finish building, um, the, the, the house we're going to build on this piece of property, we're going to renovate our, our current house. Um, and it'll be a house available for the kids. Um, if one of them needs it to stay 
and then the real dream is um you know if the if the market comes crashing to earth um trying to pick up some of these cheaper in the in the little towns around us pick up some houses around there um as a way to say hey kids you want to stick around like here's a house you know you can move in here um and if it's rental it's rental income um if they don't and if they do then they have a place to stay and a place you know and again giving them giving them that jump start if i could cut in real quick yeah one thing you said that i wanted to just put out here before i lose mine when the crash comes because it's either going to come or they're going to throw us into another world war and just kick the can down the road for another 40 years. Who knows? Because, you know, we don't know the extent of the Fed until it stops. Is have enough liquidity on hand to go out. And if someone's landscaping company is going under and they've got to sell four mowers, two trailers, trucks, and all their equipment, you can go in and you can buy it for a quarter of what you could have four years ago. Same thing with property. You know, that's one thing I kind of want to do is just have a, not necessarily it all in the bank or have maybe 20, 30,000 in cash in a safe that I can peruse Facebook Marketplace, you know, on a little battery next to a, you know, a solar panel because there's no more power and then just meet them up and buy all their stuff. That's actually my, go ahead. Um, I worked in banking a um, long time ago, and one of the one of the clients that we had when 2008 hit, um, there was a um, a bunch of excavating companies in the Kansas City area that were having issues, and he um, basically just just took loans to the hilt and bought basically his own excavating company. Um, you know, just scrambled to make all the payments. And then when things started bouncing back, he had a business that he bought literally pennies mm. on the dollar, you exactly. know, giant, you know, quarter million dollar excavator kind of stuff um, for dirt cheap. Um, so yeah, there's, there's opportunities. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's off topic as to what the crash looks like, but whether it's, whether it's population drop, whether it's, you know, an actual market crash, something will happen. Um, and some of these crazy prices won't, you know, prior, prior to 2020, I could pick up a house in town near me for 50 grand. Um, you know, no big deal. And not even, not even necessarily a big fixer upper, you know, it was a perfectly livable 50 grand house. Um, so when that, you know, if that or something like it comes back, that's, that's pretty doable. Uh, you mentioned population drop. That's one thing I've got some longtime friends up in Idaho that's one thing that she she mentions is because they get a lot of overflow and spillage from California people trying to uh, find sanity again. And there's like she, people, a lot of people don't understand how many boomers there are and how much, how much housing and property they own. And when they start dying, um, it's going to flood the market when like, I mean, I hate that you die, but a lot of people, again, they don't value the property. They don't value the housing that their parents might have built, might have worked four or five jobs for combined as a household just to have. And then you're just going to get rid of it and forget the history that came with. I mean, so 
I'll, I'll, I'll speak to that just for a little bit. Like, so like my, my mother-in-law, she's been in her house since the early eighties and um, she didn't build it or nothing. It's just the house that she, she's had for that long. And that's, that's the house she likes. Um, it's a house my, my wife grew up in and we don't have any plans of keeping it. If like whenever she passes, that's just, like there wasn't like that was like my mother-in-law's like I wouldn't say her dream house but like she really likes it she's really not really wanting to move so that's that's kind of like where she's at on on that house so like if it doesn't mean anything to the kids like so that and then so like some people like Scott was saying about the reverse mortgage she she could do a reverse mortgage she could enjoy her wealth. That's fine. It doesn't bother me at all. Like, she's earned it. Whatever. Now, the other thing is, you know, of, like, keeping cash on hand. Yeah, that's great. But, you know, like, what Animal Scott was saying was about, you know, kind of getting nervous what the dollar looks like. So like how much do you how much cash do you keep on hand and how much do you put into other assets? Okay, so to answer your question for me, how I would think that is, so you know, say we have another 2008 tomorrow morning and you have thirty thousand dollars, you know, I don't think that the dollar is gonna, you know, snap your fingers, it's worthless. What's really gonna come at the dollar is what happens with our military, because our dollars propped up by oil. It, yeah. it is. It's oil in our military. That's why it's the petrol. Well, that's dollar. failing too. It, it is. So you really, you know, you can have some in Bitcoin, but is your average Joe who's selling his long his lawn care business or his excavator company gonna have a Bitcoin wallet? Are you gonna have to walk him through how to make it? You know, it's really no. I it's think, a shot in the dark. I I, I think it's uh, not necessarily that that 30,000 would become worthless like in the span of a week or whatever, but that that 30,000 would be required to be exchanged for digital dollars um, within 30 days or whatever. And, and then use of the paper ones are then outlawed from the, that point forward. Yeah. Or like Greece. That you know, you can only take out 50 bucks from the ATM. You're not getting any more of the money. There should have been right. a bank run on the banks a couple of weeks ago, but nobody has any money. They're all in debt. So Mine's all at home already. <laughs> I took all mine out of the banks when COVID happened. Yeah. Hmm. But like um, little pine, like you were saying is I don't think, there it would be that drastic i mean they might be stupid enough to make it that drastic but i think they're gonna slow people into it like they did with the the lockdowns i mean they forced you into your homes for two years over nothing um made you cover your face for a common cold essentially um but i feel like they'd say oh here we have a more stable you know alternate to the dollar you know trade that in you know you just got to use your debit card no more cash just tap your phone and we'll give you a dollar 25 or a dollar 50 per dollar yeah a couple months later it's a dollar 10 a couple months later it's 90 cents a right. year into it 
it's 50 cents on the dollar until mm -hmm. the dollar is just gone. I yeah. feel like it'd be a slower phase. No, I and I thought that way too um, when I first started looking into it. And uh, the lady of Little Pine actually convinced me that there's too many you can't give people that much time to build alternatives and find the loopholes and find the workarounds true um she's convinced it would it would have to be fast they would be so you think they'd go and hit it hard hit it fast create you know i think it would be not more than like 60 days maybe 90 at the at the yeah. very outside i feel like at that point banks would be on fire they'd have a whole lot of unrest on their hands like we did with the summer of love you know the like cities on fire you know the, the police they don't have to serve i kind of think you guys are giving them way too much credit uh maybe they they keep pushing back real id they can't get ids right so how are they gonna like make the money like whatever go burr fast i mean they've been running pilot programs in sri lanka and yeah the infrastructure you know, they have uh, the Lebanon. software's been made yeah but we've had paper ids for millennia and they can't figure out right. a piece of plastic but ID. we've only like what we've do you, only wait, what do you mean by that? for 15 years what do you mean they don't they can't figure out an id like they keep changing, so like they they're having trouble with the real ID. I don't know the specifics, but they keep bumping the "you must have your whatever driver's license updated by this time, otherwise it's you going to be forced to get a real ID." Now it like they, they it was supposed to happen this year, they bumped it like another year or two. Okay, so uh, I we were we were about a month we were about a month away from vaccine passes. Oh yeah, and mandates. So you know yeah, uh, and then. They can yeah. roll. Are that they out here? No, no. But, you know, but again, I mean, we were in had, some localities. What we had yeah. with COVID was uh, in the lockdowns. I think that was just again a trial run. They, mm -hmm. they just wanted to yeah, see no what question. would happen. You know what's going to happen next time when you know Bill Gates just drops a suitcase of smallpox at the airport. Whoops. I well, mean, the, uh, the you're definitely getting canceled next week on YouTube. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> like they rolled out. They rolled out the uh, the Fed Now payment program that they're yep. going to be starting. Um, that's like the underlying infrastructure for the system. Project Hamilton um, is done. Oh yeah, so, man. They've been yeah. working on that for years. And like I was looking at my Coinbase today, kind of consolidating my Bitcoin, my all my cryptos, kind of get them consolidated in one. So when it goes up, the rest go up. I can cash out, and then I can use that more immediately. I don't exactly have any long-term investments right now. I'm 21. I'll be 22 in a month. Um, my long-term investment is myself, and it's what I'm going to be building. For me, it's infrastructure. It's get me a get me. I'll spend my last penny on a greenhouse. Give me that greenhouse. Yeah. Um, I can find someone to deliver four dump trucks of mulch, and I can rake it for two weeks. You know, um, that's kind of what me and my girlfriend are kind of aiming toward. It's we need we just need to get started with infrastructure because we can we can build later i can make uh, like so they didn't tell, tell you to start investing when you're 18 you know do all well between 18 and like 26 you can catch up a whole lot on your compounding interest you just go you go you, you do have to compensate more so you have to make up a salary a salary later 
But if I put in uh, what it like a hundred dollars a week, you know, by the time I'm 64, that's like $3 million. So I can do, you know, $500 a month, $200 a week, however it comes down. And then sure. I'll end up with that same amount. And that's just a hedge on retirement that has, you know, that's not land animals, infrastructure, like anything. It's not relationships you build, you know, you, one thing that, that just kind of hit me is you build generational wealth with connections you make through other families. Um, my, we had a church family. We met about when I was knee high and I'm now like taller than that. <laughs> um, you know, their daughter is 26. She's fixing to have her first, you know, daughter. I'm considered, you know, I'm considered an uncle and, you know, to the, in, in their family. So that's another form of wealth that I don't think many people consider. Like Scott mentioned, he picks his family. I have a old, um, old school way of family, family's family. You mess with family, you know, kind of almost Italian like, um, but you can get removed from that family. You, you can, uh, yeah. but you can also expand it a whole lot. You know, I think, that's a really good point. Um, working with other families, uh, you know, a, a banking family on their own might not have the kind of power that they want to wield in the world, but a banking family and a arms contracting family and a political <laughs> family all getting together, they can start a war and generate Hold some on, real generational wealth. Like a... So, I mean, we got to do the same thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to build, you know, I, I have see the first kind of glimmers of uh, a little farmer's co-op out this way. There's a couple of people doing some cool things and we're starting to connect with each other. Oh, what? I'm muted? No, wrong. No, no, other Scott. Oh, Scott. <laughs> like I thought somebody would say something by now. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah, like, but yeah, that's a, an important tactic is not going it alone. I mean, not yeah. necessarily investing only in your nuclear family, but investing in a, a larger tribe, in a larger community and getting some synergy going that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, can get that tide rising a little quicker. And to build off of what you said, tying back into what Matt said when we kind of started about his son learning, you know, about everything. And then that that father who sold his farm after getting his son to go to college is keep your kids out of public school. You know, you want them to follow in your footsteps. Have have your son who's, you know, two feet tall following at your side while you're while you're running cattle, while you're fixing a fence, while you're tilling up, while you're not tilling, but doing whatever in the garden and then when they're six or seven give them a task of chores in my opinion the perfect example of, th of this that i have seen is um and just is justin rhodes i mean watch yeah. his family that is in my opinion that is my goal that is my idea yeah. is incorporate them that. into the family business make exactly mm -hmm. and then like in, that ties into another one of your things is pay them yeah pay them through your business and they can have a Roth IRA, but they can also have a salary of like $1,000 a month. And that's also Legalized child labor. 
Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Literally. I mean, (laughs) like they don't. So technically, like my 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 kids are like in my Twitter posts and stuff like that, you know, Instagram, all that stuff. And so technically they're part of the business. Like farm hop life is a business. It is, it is registered as a business and I could pay them like for their, whatever their picture. You're a content creator. So you pay them for their appearance and this or that. Yeah. That's, that's an option. I haven't taken it yet because, um, well, Farm Hop Life doesn't make any money. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to worry about that later. And then they'd have a, um, they'd have an interest in in continuing the business. Like, hey, yeah. this is the thing I built with my dad and my mom mm-hmm. and my siblings. And that's, I think, it, where our farmers get a disconnect. You know, you have your old 80-year-old farmer who's done it the old row crop way his entire life. Um, and then you have your his you know 30, 40 year old son who has gone to school, has learned this stuff, is like, hey dad, let's do this. Ah no, I done it my way. You know, there there seems to be a lack of um merging kind of the two when building up and transferring over. And sometimes it may fail, sometimes it may succeed. But you have to be able to form with the times, like a lot of what you see now is subscription based. I worked at a a flower farm, I think last Wednesday and they do subscription flowers. You pay her $60 a week. You get a bouquet, uh, $60 a month. You get a bouquet of flowers every week. Um, same thing can be done with meat. Same thing can be done with the guy who actually helps run that ran a, uh, worked on a, a CPA, CPA, some type of, you know, um, subscription-based farm up in Vermont, they had like 600 monthly subscribers and it, and they got all their money up front. So they mm-hmm. have basically half the season's yes, money. Up, yes. That had half their money up front for a full year. And then they got the rest as it came in. And that may be a way to do it. I don't, I don't you know. know. I, I, th- I think you're touching on something really important there, like not only being open to, you know, if you're including your kids in the business, like evolving it as they come of age and, and really start learning some things, but also, you know, not necessarily like putting the expectation on them that they are tied to this little piece of dirt for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And yeah. And that's the most important thing for you. And yeah, like, like if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. That you can't could create them. a lot of resentment. Um, but like being able to say like, Hey, you know, we could build this together and you can have it and you can do whatever, you know, whatever your path dictates you need to do. Uh, but it will like, be here and it'll give you options, whether that's to sell it and do another thing or hold on to it as a safety net or invest the rest of your life in it. Like My, my dad built up a company for like eight, 18 years and uh, almost all the kids have like worked in it at some point, but none of us stuck with it. And so he sold it last year. Um, what was it? Digital marketing. So it's not, okay. not very like, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, I would, I would uh, pivot that digital marketing into f- farming. It was, it was not, uh, 
my point was is that nobody was yeah. into digital marketing like like they my oldest brother or older brother he was in it the longest he was in it for like 14 or 15 years before moving on to something else but um yeah he just, just never took it over because he was he just wanted to do something else and that's like that's like that's fine this is what i wanted to do so anyways uh closing thoughts anybody Driving Scott, you're ever? still muted. Yeah, I think it goes back to mindset, right? So train your children in the way they should go. You know, don't send them in the house when you're working on the car. You go in the house or you're okay over there. And then yeah. also don't let them sit in the house. That's one thing I always did is I was always given the opportunity to go help. I was always say, "Hey, you want to come help?" I always said, "No, don't get, don't let them say no. Say, hey, I need you to come help me, right. and then yeah. make them feel like they're a part of it. Slow down. You may get it done. It may take longer, mm-hmm. but later it may save you time." Yeah, it doesn't bother me that my kid comes over and like distracts me or starts like wanting to do something different. Like, all right, we'll just pick it up and go over there, or he'll just wander around the yard while I do this or do that. And he's like, today we are, I was like flagging where we're going to plant some trees. And he's like, I don't know, kicking the dirt and knocking down rocks. And he's just like going like exploring, but he's around all the time. So. Yeah. I mean, just showing him stuff and, you know, and then he's in the chicken coop with his hands like this. So the chickens don't peck him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah we had an incident this weekend and uh and and yeah he's fine <laughs> go ahead scott driving scott you were saying yeah i mean so like like my daughter i never taught her how to change a tire so first time she had a tire a flat tire it was an absolute catastrophe and she was literally like having a panic attack. And I'm like, just chill out, just work the plan. And she didn't know the plan because I didn't teach her. And so, you know, uh, in retrospect, I wish I would have. Because I changed tires before. I should have taken her out there and showed it to her. Sure. Did yep. you go back and show her how? Um, yeah, but she was like not teachable by that time. Okay. <laughs> You could also teach them delayed gratification. That's mm-hmm. a big one. Josiah, closing thoughts? Issues. I think the the learning thing is good. I I uh, one of the things I I joke. My dad was very capable. He did he did everything himself, um, but he wasn't very good at teaching us as he did it. Sure. What he did do though was he taught us. Um, that we could do anything and so i think that's a big a big way of passing on that that wealth you know of of knowledge because it's not just about the money obviously but you know um and things i mean especially when things are busy it's i'm not good necessarily at, at having the kids out there learning every every little detail about the stuff i'm doing but um teaching them that they're capable um that they can handle these things as they come up. Right. You know, I've done a lot of things 
nobody ever taught me how to do, but you know, I was kind of taught that I could do it. Um, and I think that's a big deal, but no, there's, there's a lot of good stuff here. I think, uh, I think we kind of touched on everything. So I try to tell my, my son, like, I don't want to hear, I can't, I will help you, but I don't want to hear. I can't. He could word it differently. Say, I'm not able to do that yet. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, we run into that with with my kids. I, I like, I give them, I give them jobs. I know they can do. I don't, I don't give them something they can't do. Just something and, just uh, a, almost out of reach, like, I don't like almost literally them. out of reach. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, have to like they, they need to be challenged. I don't, I don't give them. Yeah. I don't give them things that are hard. And go so, cut down that eighty-year-old post oak, please. <laughs> with a spoon. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so there's there's the balance though, but I mean there's a challenge. But I'm I don't I I want them to be I want them to feel capable, you know. But they don't they don't get they don't get anything crazy. Right. Because when you ease them in, in a couple years. They build up their confidence in themselves, and they know when you give them something, they'll they'll know you can do it. They can do it yeah, because absolutely. they've been able to do it in the past, and that gives them assurance in themselves. Yes. Animal Scott, closing thoughts. Yeah, uh, mimetics is greater than genetics. Um, you know, can you explain can... what that means? Yeah, yeah, that's the. the, the perpetuation of ideas can be much more powerful than the perpetuation of genes. Okay. And, you know, it's, it's very important, obviously that, that parents focus on, on raising their children in fostering critical thinking and, and real world skills and all of that. But, you know, we can also, you know, instead of always being focused on leaving a better world, in 20 years for our kids, we can, you know, next time you're hoeing a row or doing something monotonous, think about what you might do that could impact the world in 500 years. Um, sure. That's kind of how I was introduced to sustainable agriculture uh, was in a book by Sir Albert Howard, you know, describing these like 500 year small family farms that always seem to be fertile and productive and, and you know that's kind of what inspired him to to bring kind of reintroduce those things to the west and uh it's important the ideas that we perpetuate the uh the proofs that we show people the just be undeniable like show people what can be done uh it's so much more than than what we're doing right now you know even if people are growing 2% of their own food. That's a huge win because that might average out to 10% over the whole population and completely change the dynamics of the food system. Yeah. We can drop these little memes, these ideas that perpetuate and spread. And yeah. Excellent. Grant. Hmm. What? Closing thoughts. (laughs) Um, I feel like this was a very good episode. We stayed on topic. We all shared very good thoughts, and it was good. Good. I think I was just add one last thing is uh, embrace the struggle. Oh yeah, that um, shit's just not going to be easy. So 
embrace the suck and power through it. Perfect. The end. Uh, okay, going around uh, opposite way. Grant again. Yeah. Do a thing. Say a, say a thing quickly. Home set of pain on TikTok. Come see if I post something ever again. Yeah. Good. Got it. Thanks. <laughs> Scott, little pine. <laughs> You're muted. <laughs> Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, lots of exciting stuff in the next couple of weeks. Uh, slaughtering more goats, planting trees, digging holes, building beds. Uh, making Filling those holes with poop. Um, putting poop in holes, all kinds of fun stuff, <laughs> and maybe bullying some government officials or agencies. Uh, so, yeah. And billionaires. With fire? Huh? With fire? No. Redacted. No, bullying. Yeah, are you going to bully them with fire? I, I'm going to bully them with my rapier wit. Oh, okay. <laughs> sad. Big sad. Very good. Uh, Josiah? Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, Inventive 15, or you can just look me up by Josiah Young. Um, you'll see all sorts of uh, cute Oh, that's you! And, and, uh, cute, cute <laughs> I'm baby sorry. I just realized who this person is now. There you go. That's me. <laughs> Good job, Grant. <laughs> sorry, man. <laughs> and Thriving Scott. So check out Thrive in the Future at thriveinthefuture.com and on your fave podcast app. This week I have Cyprian on, and so that's a pretty extensive episode. Pretty amazing. Right on. I'm looking forward to listening. It's gonna be it's gonna be wild. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, he's had some on fire tweets lately. So that whole thing about uh, the definition of crisis in Greek, the Greek word for crisis is a decision point. Hmm. So don't let a don't let a crisis go to waste takes on a new meaning so yeah it's on fire i'm trying to decide whether to do it in two episodes or three episodes because it was so long so holy yeah. crap cool yeah we talked for two hours so yeah it was pretty cool. wow dang that's cool um nice looking forward to hearing that and i am matt rosier of farm hop life check us out farmhoplife.com we got a podcast youtube all the socials Next week, we're going to talk about, I don't know, learning how to say no or like, do you say no more than you say yes to, to things? Like a couple opportunities popped up and I said no, like finding your limit. I don't know. Something something about that. That sounds good. I hadn't okay. found mine yet. I got stories for that. <laughs> yes, to every, yes to everything. Yeah. That's make grand. it work. Make it work. You know, you want to get married? Job... Yes. <laughs> Is that job too big? No. We'll figure it out later. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for joining, guys. And thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week.